Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, we're in a series right now uh, called Teach Us to Pray when uh, Jesus' disciples see the way that Jesus prays and uh, they, they see the intimacy that he has with the Father and they see the authority that he has. That stuff happens when he prays. They go, teach us to pray. They, they've actually prayed their whole lives. They, they lived in a culture of prayer. They've prayed their whole lives. But when they watched Jesus pray, they saw something different about the intimacy that he had with God and the authority that he had to actually see stuff happen. And so they say, Jesus, teach us to pray the same way that you pray. And we've been going through the Lord's Prayer line by line over the last few weeks. And today I, I got the privilege of uh, talking about where Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, let's see how honest we are in this room. Put your hand up if you ever get tempted. Okay, most of us are honest. Who wants to come here, up here, and tell us their greatest temptation they faced (laughs) this week? You know, we're all pretty open to saying, yes, we face temptation. But, But to share, you know, the greatest temptation that we face would be quite embarrassing. I got, I got some, a couple of bits of good news for you today. Firstly, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, no temptation that you have faced that, that is not common to mankind. It means your greatest temptation is exactly the same as somebody else's temptation in this room. And we might not like to ship not like to share what it is that that, that we get tempted to do. But all temptations are the same. The temptations from the evil one, the temptations, they they really come into three categories. You can put it into a whole bunch of other categories if you like. But the the three I'm just sort of going to talk to us about today is firstly a temptation to give up on God, a temptation to give in to sin, and a temptation to get out of God's purposes because they're too hard. The temptation to give up on God, to give in to sin, or to get out of God's purposes. So I'm not going to ask you to reveal to anybody here today what is your greatest temptation. But I actually want you to keep it in your mind today. Because there's more good news. Jesus actually teaches us to pray that we will not be led into temptation. Or if you unpack the Greek, it's actually more that we would not fall into temptation. But we would be delivered from the evil one. That's a great prayer. And it's good news for us today. Because temptation is not, you know, this trivial matter. You know, temptation, you know, is not just, uh, you know, a little white lie or an extra piece of cake that we often just, you know, talk about as being temptation. Temptation that comes from the evil one, that comes from the devil, is out to steal and kill and destroy. Temptation will steal your family, will steal your faith, will steal your future. 
And Jesus doesn't want any of those things to happen. And so he teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hey, a couple of things that uh, as we unpack these verses um, today. Firstly, praying the word of God defeats the enemy of God. When we actually pray the word of God, it defeats the enemy of God. Listen to, uh, to what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. He says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. And so he lists then a whole bunch, if you know the passage, a whole bunch of you know, defensive armour that we should put on to protect us from the evil one. But then he finishes with them offensive weapons that we have to defeat the evil one. He, he says, uh, take the helmet of salvation and, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He says, when you pray and you take hold of the word of God, we actually defeat the enemy of God. It starts by saying our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this dark world. Not against flesh and blood. I loved wrestling when I was in high school. Any other blokes here love wrestling when they're in high school? It was the, it was the time of WWF. And uh, some people said that it was all, make, it was all staged, but it wasn't. They, they were wrestling for a world title. You know, this was, this was the real deal. And there, there was the best of the wrestlers. There was Hulk Hogan. He always won the world title. Who remembers the Hulk? You know, he always won uh, the world title. He was the best of the wrestlers. And then there was Andre the Giant. He was the biggest of the wrestlers. And then there was George the Animal Steel, one of my personal favorites, who was the baddest of the wrestlers. And when I was in year 10, we would just watch this all the time and we would go to school and we would copy all of their moves. And so we would always be, you know, jumping off the top ropes and giving someone a flying suplex or getting them in a figure four uh, leg lock. And I remember year 10 geography, our teacher didn't turn up. And within five minutes, we put all the desks around the perimeter of the room to create a top rope. And we were jumping on each other and uh, it was all fun and games until David put Grant's head through the blackboard and let me tell you there was flesh and there was blood see Paul here is talking about a different type of wrestling but some of the same principles that there's powers in this dark world that are trying to resist the reign of God are trying to resist the reign of God in your life trying all sorts of different moves to actually resist what God wants to do in your life. You see, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of wickedness. There's a wrestle going on. There is a wrestle going on for your family. There's a wrestle going on for your faith. 
There is a wrestle going on for your God-given future. And the good news is that, that Jesus has given us the power of prayer to win that wrestle. I just want to unpack just a couple of words in Ephesians chapter 6. Firstly, that word principality. It's not a word that we use very much in Australia because we don't have any principalities. If you just take the word apart, a palady is a region or an area or a city and a prince is, can't help me, a prince. And so a principality is where a prince you know, has, has reign and rule over an area, a city, or a region. In Australia, we don't have principalities on the earth. We have municipalities. Muni meaning many, many people elect government leaders to actually reign and rule and govern over a particular area. But what Paul is wanting us to understand here is that while we may not have principalities in this nation that we live, there are principalities in the heavenly realms. Secondly, they're all plural. And so we know from the Bible that the devil, the enemy, is out to get us, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the fuller picture of the Bible is that Satan has an army of angels that are working with him to resist, to resist what God wants to do in and through your life. It's plural. There are demons everywhere wanting to actually resist what God wants to do in your life. And lastly, they're not permanent. You know, notice what it says in Ephesians 6. It says, against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. You know, maybe this year you started reading through the Bible. And you've got to, you know, Genesis, Exodus, pretty cool. And uh, you, you got to Leviticus. And you kind of got stuck in, in Leviticus. And you maybe you've just got a bit stalled in reading the Bible or even given up, you know, reading the Bible for a season. Can I encourage you? I know you're not supposed to do this with other books, but with this book you can. Skip to the end. See who wins. You see, the message of this book is that in the end, there, there is a wrestle going on. There is a wrestle going on for the reign of God in your life and in this world, in this region that we live. But in the end, Jesus wins. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, crucified for your sins, rose again on the third day, is seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And one day he is coming again to make all things right. It's good news. Jesus wins in the end. But right now, we live in this age that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6 where there's a wrestle going on, where, where, where Satan and his demons are wanting to resist what God has planned for your life. And what I want to encourage us with today, in the midst of this wrestle, Jesus teaches us, the Apostle Paul teaches us, that how we pray actually has an impact 
on the reign of God in our lives and in this region. How we pray actually has an impact on the reign of God in our lives and in this region. There's a a glimpse of this wrestle that goes on in the heavenlies that we see in Daniel chapter 10 in the Old Testament. And, And in Daniel chapter 10, the majority of God's people have given up on God. They've given in to sin. They've they've gotten out of the purposes of God, but not Daniel. Daniel's a man who faithfully prays. He won't give up on God. He won't give in to sin, and and he won't get out of the purposes of God, even though it would be much easier to do so. But his heart is breaking for the city that he lives in. He's looking at the way that sin is destroying lives. He's looking at the way that God is not worshipped and honoured in this city that they're in captivity in, in Babylon. And he begins to pray and he begins to fast for 21 days, just like we're doing as a church right now. He begins to weep before the Lord. He prays and he fasts and he cries out you know, to God, God, would you, would you give us your word? So that, you know, we will have strength to endure, to see the good things that you have for us. That we will not give up, we will not give in, we will not get out of the purposes of God. Daniel chapter 10, after he's praying and fasting for 21 days, this is what uh, happens. An angel turns up and says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. But the prince, now remember that principality thing we're talking about? But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. He wrestled me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. You see, as soon as Daniel prayed... It says in this story that the angel, you know, was actually sent in response. There was a response in the heavenly realms. His words were heard. His prayer did not land on deaf ears, but they were heard in heaven. An angel came in response, but the prince of Persia, a demon in Satan's army, over a principality of Persia, resisted me. That there's something going on in the heavenly realms. There's a wrestle going on in the heavenly realms when you pray. And it says, he wrestled me for 21 days until Michael, who's kind of like the head honcho angel, turns up and beats the snot out of the prince of Persia. And after 21 days of prayer and fasting, this angel appears to Daniel and tells him what is written in the book of truth. You know, but before... You know, Daniel had a Bible to put in his hands before the book of Daniel was in our Bible. You know, God sent an angel with the word of God to give him strength to endure, that he would not fall into temptation like the rest of his people and give up on God, give in to sin and jump out of the purposes of God. Now, I don't pretend to understand everything that's happening in that story. It's a pretty wild story. 
It, it doesn't kind of, it's not the, the way I normally would see the world. I don't pretend to understand all of that. And I'm not sure that we're really supposed to, but there are some important principles that we need to understand to encourage us today. When you pray, heaven hears your prayer and responds to your prayer every time. When you pray, there are princes of darkness in different regions that resist the reign of God. There's a wrestle going on in prayer. It's why we've got to keep praying and not give up on praying. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're not praying to a prince of darkness. You are not praying to a created fallen being. You are praying to the Prince of Peace. He came into the world as the light of the world, and even though the world didn't understand him, the darkness could not stuff him out. He is the Prince of Peace. He has come to give you peace with God. And because of his obedience to the cross, he has been made the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one day, every knee will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of all the world. But right now, there's a wrestle going on in prayer. And we're part of that wrestle. Heaven hears our prayers. And we get to pray. And there'll be an impact in this region according to our prayers. So that on that day when Jesus comes again, there'll be more people who have already confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of all the earth. You see, we live in a time when the book of truth has actually been fully revealed. We, we don't need an angel to turn up to reveal to us the book of truth, what's in the book of truth, like Daniel did. It's already been revealed. Now it's our role to take hold of it and to pray out of the promises that is in this book and to believe that as we pray, According to God's word, God hears. And we get power. You see, you'll never get to a point in your life where you don't face temptation. That's never going to happen for you. Temptation will always be there on this side of heaven. But you see, as we pray the word of God, we actually receive power to overcome temptation, to defeat the enemy of God. What does Jesus do when he's tempted at the beginning of his ministry? And the devil comes and essentially tempts him to give up on God, to worship him, to give in to sin, and to, just to, uh, to, to satisfy all of his desires and to get out of his purposes, to not walk to the cross. And every time... Jesus responds by praying the word of God. And we see the power of the enemy defeated. It doesn't mean that temptation went away for Jesus. It was still there. But he had power to overcome temptation. I want to encourage you. Whatever temptation you face, take hold of the truth that is in God's word. Make every thought that comes into your mind, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ, obedient to God's word. When you pray the word of God, it defeats the enemy of God. And when you pray the will of God, it delivers you 
from the enemy of God. I reckon two of the biggest reasons, in, I've been in pastoral ministry for uh, 26 years now, and two of the biggest reasons that I've heard in those 26 years as to why people struggle with prayer or give up on prayer is because they feel like they don't have the right words to pray. They listen to other people's prayers and they sound like they're praying the whole Old Testament in one prayer, and you think, my words just you know, aren't adequate compared to theirs. But I'd say the biggest reason that people struggle with prayer or give up on prayer is because they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they didn't get what they asked for. Come on, just a little bit more honesty here today. Who here in our journey of following Jesus has struggled with prayer because of one of those two reasons? I haven't got the right words to say or I didn't get what I asked for. Come on, just show our hands. Yeah, me too. You see, when we look at the way Jesus doesn't just teach us some words to pray, but Jesus actually models for us how to pray. Jesus, we never see Jesus' humanity, I think, on display any more clearly than in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what we see in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is an intensely personal, simple prayer, no fancy words, and Jesus doesn't get what he asks for. Let me just read a couple of verses from, uh, from Mark's Gospel. It says this, They went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take, listen to his prayer, Take this cup from me. When Jesus prays, he uses no fancy words. He simply says, Abba, Father, Daddy. It's very, very personal. He says, everything's possible for you. No, no big fancy words. And then he, he makes this petition to his Father. He says, take this cup from me. It must have been a bad cup. I mean, I've drunk from some bad cups over the years. You know, when I was a kid, all we got to drink was fruit cup cordial in plastic cups. Anybody else have a childhood like that? Fruit cup cordial in plastic cups. Now, I got the privilege of stepping into this new role and leading our Queensland Baptist movement across the state. And I still, you know, go to campsites and churches every week. And you know what they give me? Fruit cup cordial in a plastic cup. And I stand there and I say, oh, dear God, please take this cup from me. <laughs> I've been visiting churches all over the state. And uh, I, I walk in, one of the first things that they ask is, would you like a coffee? And I got to think and I look around and I go, what am I actually going to get? Because nine times out of ten, I get a styrofoam cup with international roast caterers blend. <laughs> and I just think, oh, God, please take this cup from me. I don't know if you're a coffee snob or maybe you like a, a cup of tea. 
I, I was visiting one of our missionaries in Bangladesh a few years ago and he said the people are very hospitable, they're very kind, just take whatever they give you to eat or drink but try and stay alive. And uh, I remember the first place we visited and we're in this hut with a creek running behind it and there was dead things in the creek and he lowered a tin down into the creek and made a cup of tea and he filled it half with tea and the other half with sweetened condensed milk and I do not have a sweet tooth. And then he said to me, would you like sugar with that? And I just remember sitting there going, oh God, please take this cup from me. Maybe you're here today and you're not a real Baptist. And someone's handed you a cup with some shabby chablis from a cask and you've kind of sniffed it and you've swirled it and you said, oh God, please take this cup from me. Worst cup I ever you know, I had to drink, I was preaching at a Vietnamese church and uh, at the end of the service, big potluck dinner and uh, they gave me a cup of durian soup. I don't know if you've ever smelt durian, but in many Asian countries you're actually not allowed to take it on public transport because it smells so bad. It looked like beetroot juice mixed with milk and warmed up. And I'm just kind of tipping it into pot plants whenever I get the chance. And every time I tipped half of it out, they'd fill it back up. And I just remember saying, oh God, please take this cup from me. You know, Jesus didn't actually have a cup. But, but this is what we picture. We actually picture Jesus with a cup like this. And it wasn't a literal cup. You see, right throughout the Old Testament, whenever the people of God sinned against God, they gave up on God and they gave in to sin, they got out of the purposes of God, it says that they were drinking from the cup of God's wrath. I'm just going to just show you one example. Isaiah 55, it says, Awake, awake, O uh, Jerusalem. Uh, where is it? Can you put it on the screen? I can't find it. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Throughout the Old Testament, the punishment for people's sins was that they would come under the wrath of God. They would drink from the cup of God's wrath because of their sins. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows that his purpose is actually to drink the cup of God's wrath on your behalf. Not because he's sinned, but because you sinned and because I sinned. And in his humanity, as he gets to that final moment as he's walking to the cross... And he understands what it will mean to be separated from his father, to take upon his shoulders all of the sin and the filth of all mankind. He prays a very, very simple prayer. Father, take this cup from me. And he doesn't just pray at once. If you read the Gospels, it says he prayed it three times. He kept going back and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed so earnestly that drops of sweat became like blood coming from his forehead. He said, take this cup from me if there is any other way. 
And the father said, no. And you know the next part of Jesus' prayer. He says, but not my will, but yours be done. And every single one of us in this room should be eternally grateful that the father said no. And every single one of us in this room should be eternally grateful that Jesus wrestled personally in prayer until it says the Father answered his prayer by sending an angel to strengthen him to endure the cross. And we should all be thankful that Jesus wrestled in prayer. He did not give up on prayer because he didn't get what he asked for, but he kept praying and he kept praying and he kept praying until he received strength not to escape the pain, but to endure his purpose. Because if he didn't drink the cup, you and I were drinking this cup. It was our sin. We were the ones that deserved to drink the cup of God's wrath. But this is the good news of the gospel, people. Jesus drank it for us. Yeah. He, he, he was abandoned by his father so that you never will be. He was separated from his father's love so that you never have to face that separation. He was delivered into the enemy's hands, into Satan's hands, so that you never will have to be. You actually are delivered from the power of sin, from the power of evil, because Jesus drank this cup. You see, before prayer is a, is a petition to get help from God. It's a process of surrendering to the will of God. You know, re re wrestling in prayer is not just a wrestle that happens in the heavenlies, but it's a wrestle that happens in our hearts to surrender to the will of God, to overcome temptation and surrender to the will of God. And can I just say today, some of it, I just believed as I was praying about this this morning, that someone here needs to know that wrestle is normal. And someone here, you're thinking, man, this has got to get easier at some point. The temptation's just got to disappear at some point. It's just got to go away. I remember thinking this. You know, as I, as I was growing in God and I had some powerful encounters with God, I just remember thinking, oh, temptation will be gone. I'm never going to face it again. And I was wrong. And this wrestle that goes on in prayer that Jesus modeled for us and is, is normal for us today. That there's going to be a wrestle in prayer for, for God to give us power and strength, not always to escape from the problems of this world, but to endure the problems of this world and not give up on God, not give in to sin and not try and get out of his purposes for our lives. It's a wrestle. But we get to win the wrestle. We, we, we get to win as we surrender our will to God. And be delivered from the evil one. See, the enemy has got no power over your surrendered heart. He's got power over your flesh or your selfish nature. And so when you try and live out of your selfish nature, you will keep giving in to temptation.
But as you pray and surrender to his will, you'll be delivered from the evil one. Hey, let me just finish by reading the last part of uh, Mark 14. It says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, Are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? One hour. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We know that, don't we? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus says to Peter, Sleepyhead, wake up. Couldn't you pray with me for one hour? I feel for the disciples in this scenario. I have the spiritual gift of sleeping. I love sleeping. I can sleep anywhere uh, at any time, and it's actually quite difficult to wake me up. I... Um, it actually takes a lot to wake me up in the morning. This is what my alarm clock looks like on my phone in uh, the morning. That go there? That's, that's what my alarm looks like every morning. I go to bed thinking it'll be a good idea to get up at 4.30 and do some exercise. When my alarm goes off at 4.30, what do I do? Snooze. I don't want to get up at 4.30. I've just 10 more minutes sleep. And so it goes off again at 4.40 and it sounds a bit like this. No, it doesn't sound like anything. And it goes off at 4.40 and I still don't want to get up. I just think 10 more minutes and I fall asleep for 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Susan, not so much. She's awake the, the whole time. It goes off at 4.50. I just press snooze again. By this stage, Susan is kicking me and muttering some words that I won't repeat you know, here in church at 5 o'clock when I press snooze one more time. you know, Susan says, if you're going to set five alarms every single morning, you can sleep in the other bedroom. And so at 5.15, when my alarm goes off again, I get out of bed because I don't want to sleep in the other bedroom. It takes a lot to actually wake me up. And I like to snooze. But I wonder if there's an alarm clock that's been going off in this nation for some time. I actually wonder if it looks a little bit like this. We got that one, Zachy? No, the, keep going. Go all the way through till there's words on it, mate. I wonder if our, keep going, there you go, that was all my snoozers, I wonder if we've got, no, is there one with words, Zach, it's not coming up, all right, that was a waste of time doing that illustration, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if we've got an alarm clock that actually, you know, it actually says things like declining attendance, which has been happening in the church in Australia for 40 years. I'm very grateful it hasn't been happening at Gateway. And we've been watching it and just pressing snooze. Or maybe a growing secularism. We're looking at the outcry at the moment against someone like Margaret Court. And we're thinking, how can someone simply speak what is in the Bible and be pushed so far to the side of our culture. I wonder if it's been, you know, an alarm clock going off to wake us up and to pray. Like Jesus says here, wake up, watch and pray. 
family breakdown that's happening right across this nation. I wonder if it's been an alarm clock. God's been trying to wake us up and to pray. There's a moral relativism in our nation right now where where once the things that we thought were evil were of the evil one, we now just think are natural and normal and expected. And so aborting babies at full term or young people just living in rampant sexual immorality. There was a time in this nation where we said, no, that is of the evil one. It'll steal your family. It'll steal your faith. It'll steal your future. And we just said, ah, it's just normal. I wonder if this global pandemic, and I'm not saying God caused it, but I think God can use it for good. Isn't another alarm going off? where God's just trying to wake up his church to pray because there's a wrestle going on. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There are principalities of evil over this region of Ormo that do not want people to know the goodness of God, who do not want people to live in the fullness. But our prayers actually impact the reign of God in our lives and in this region. You see, when we pray the word of God, it defeats the enemy of God. When we pray the will of God, we actually see prayer as not just petitioning God for something, but surrendering our will to him. We are delivered from the evil one. And when we pray with God's people, we're empowered to fulfill God's purposes. That's why Jesus says, I want you to pray with me. In his humanity, he needed his mates to pray with him. And so he sounds an alarm. He says, could you pray with me for just one hour? I just encourage you, 6.30 Zoom prayer meeting. Could you pray, you know, for just half an hour? To say, I know that our prayer actually impacts the reign of God in this region. That that greatest temptation I got you just to keep in your mind before and say, I don't think you should share it with anyone here today. You should share it with someone that you pray with. It might be someone in your life group. It might be a mentor. It might be a a small group of people. I've got a group of guys that I pray with at six o'clock on a Thursday morning. It's a very small group and I can just share my heart. People can know the temptations that I'm under and I know theirs and we can pray for one another. You see, praying with God's people, Jesus himself needed it. He wanted it. Just watch and pray with me. This matters to me. And it matters to one another. As we pray with God's people, it empowers us to fill the purposes of of God. Let me finish. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Can you say those two words with me? Principalities and powers. Say it with me. Principalities and powers. I really want to hear you. Principalities and powers. One more time. Okay, who is the head? over all principalities and powers. You know, we're in a wrestle against principalities and powers that actually want to stop the reign of God in our lives and our families in the church. Who is the head over all principalities and powers? Colossians chapter 2 says this, For in him, that's Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all, say it with me, 
principality and power. He has disarmed the principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. You know, the picture I love to see where it says, you know, he disarmed the principalities and powers. It's kind of like being in a wrestle with someone with no arms. Jesus ripped the devil's arms off on the cross. The only power he has over you is the power that you give him. He has power to lie because he wants to destroy. He wants to steal your family, your faith, and your future. That's why praying the word of God is so important. We actually take hold of every thought that comes into our mind and we make it obedient to the word of God defeats the enemy of God. We see prayer is not just a one-off petition to get what we want, but prayer is actually a personal wrestle. And it's normal. It's normal to wrestle with God in prayer and to receive strength from Him, to surrender our will to Him when we really don't want to. Say, God, would you help me? In this situation where I want to give up and give in, God, would you give me strength to surrender your will to him? And can I encourage us, there is incredible power as we pray with God's people, as we share our temptations with one another. We actually receive power to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives in this season and in every season. Hey, I'd love us to stand together today we're going to sing a song that simply says who breaks the power who breaks the power of sin and darkness the king of glory Jesus the one who's given us his amazing grace who drank this cup I want us to stand in that victory as we sing this today stand in the victory that Jesus won for you. He is the head over all principalities and power because on the cross, the devil threw everything that he could at him and he lost. And Jesus Christ won the victory. He's alive today and forevermore. He's a king of kings and the Lord of lords and one day he's coming again to make all things right. But right now, We're called to pray. We're called to wrestle in prayer until we see his kingdom come. Come on, let's just lift him up this morning. God, we do just give you glory today. Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. We lift you up in this place. We thank you that you drank that cup for us. We thank you that you did not give in to temptation, but you receive strength to surrender your will to the Father. And Jesus, we thank you today that that we live complete in you. We live in your fullness, the fullness of Christ. God, would you help us today to surrender our will to your will, that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
God, let's just lift him up. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.